Well, we're not doing ASMR. Hmm. I mean, we could try to do some ASMR. We could try to do some ASMR. You can try really carefully packaging things. Now you have to talk slowly. Oh, yeah. Well, then we can just talk about pouring, packing peanuts. Yeah, you talk about how soft the peanuts are and how well they protect your friends at Fangamer, and this is our brand new podcast. If you want to make friends and hang out with weirdos who work at a video game merchandising company, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Charlie, and I'm joined today by Laura and Jenna. Say hello. Hi. Hello. I'm not a weirdo, by the way. Oh, I'm completely weird. (laughs) Well, I mean, most of us are weirdos. If you want to identify as a normie, you're welcome to do so. However, I I just had a conversation with you where you said you actively liked plain sour yogurt, which I think qualifies you as weirdo. It's good. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, I'm going to get right into the part where we get to know who our two new friends are. Uh, Let's start with Laura. Laura, who are you and what do you do here? I do a lot of things. Um, Currently, my job is customer service because um, we're just really busy and we need everyone on that that we can get. But I also, I'm an artist here. I do uh, product design and I guess uh, production design occasionally. What's what's the difference between product design and production design? Yeah, those are some, some technical terms or maybe internal <laughs> terms that people would not know. The, the uh, I'm not even sure I'm using them correctly. Product design, I would say, is doing an illustration for a t-shirt or a poster or like a lapel pin where I would classify production design as taking something that already exists and um, getting it ready for production. Mm. Like taking uh, an artist's work and say separating it uh, for for screen printing or uh, turning just a flat illustration into uh, an illustration that a factory could use to make a pin. That kind of thing. Gotcha. So one is more of the or the earlier like creative process of like getting the concept and like uh, you know doing the actual drawing part, uh, the art part, mm-hmm. and then uh, production design is taking that that concept and like shoving it through a reality stringer. Yeah, I mean that's just how I'm using it. I could be using that term completely incorrectly. I, I think that's probably pretty accurate for how the way that we use it internally. So that's mm. probably good enough. So Jenna. So your darling son, Ralsei, <laughs> has been released to the world, which is a terrifying prospect for any parent. Yeah. What were your greatest concerns as you developed this little guy? I'm going straight into it because you've been discussed several times in the previous podcast, so I think people have an idea of what you do, but we can get into details about the rest <laughs> of that later. Okay. Um, well, I've seen a lot of fan art of Ralsei with a Gatling gun. So I wonder how many people have bought miniature guns to give their Ralsei's. Why would they have him with a Gatling gun? That sounds... I I have no idea. I don't know what the context (laughs) of this, like, weird little meme is, but it's out there. What if they uh, have also purchased um, to scale Mercedes-Benz so they can put him in a Mercedes? I think that's also a meme. 
Ja? Ja. Okay. I don't, that's what I get for not keeping up with memes. Uh, so you've had a hand in creating nearly all of our plush toys. Can you tell me anything about the process of designing and creating plushes that you think would like surprise people? The number of prototypes, perhaps. There's some plushies. Most of them are unfortunately under NDA, so I don't get to talk about them freely. But sure, internally. sure. Yeah, we've got to be... I mean, you can mention them and you can be like, hey, Charlie, edit that out. I can't talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, I know there's one plush that we're currently working on that is on its seventh prototype. It's oh, a wow. fairly simple design, but uh, it, it needed a few more millimeters added here or there, something the customer is never going to notice. <laughs> but uh, it's about to reach its eighth revision. Does this process cause you troubles whenever you go out and see other types of plushes in the wild? Yeah, yeah, because I, I start to get pretty nitpicky when I see other toys. I'm like, oh, they just tweaked this one thing. Or why did they choose that? Or what made them think this blend of fabrics work together? <laughs> or you just know, uh, this, this required mm, probably about five more revisions. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing something and going, oh, no, how many prototypes did you go through? Oh. That wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps for some of them. Yeah. So, Laura, uh, so what are some of the products you've worked on that people might recognize? Uh, I've designed two of our card decks, uh, the Blackjack deck and the Shovel Knight deck. I also I did the Mercy shirt for Undertale and um, the Hollow Knight Nightlight shirt. Those are a few off the top of my head. I point out the fact that the Mercy shirt is still by far our most popular shirt of all time. It was uh, good timing. <laughs> Well, not all. I wouldn't say it's only good timing because there was another shirt that released simultaneously, which did not do as well. And it's and it's not the second best. Like the the second best uh, selling shirt of all time is not that that one that released. It's got to be Megalovania. It is Megalovania, uh, <laughs> which is currently sitting at about two thirds of the sales of Mercy. Hmm. So there, I I can't get into like super specific numbers, but suffice to say, it sitting at two thirds is a pretty huge gap that mm. it'll probably never surmount. But the the thing is, the second printing of the Mercy shirt had updated artwork because I can't stop fixing my own artwork. So it's um, it kind of haunts me that there are so many that are already out there that are <laughs> prefixed. That's, that's why I can't listen to... Uh episodes of the podcast again after I after I decide I've finalized it because if I if I go back and listen to it I'd be like I, I can I can go in there and fix this right I just like just take take this little clip out anyway <laughs> uh, what are you working on right now like, you, right you, now yeah yeah, yeah. About like, or, four thousand uh, customer service emails sure sure okay uh, how about um, <laughs> I mean yeah like I think most people right now are really focused our, our mailroom is a little bit behind right now mm-hmm. um, and whenever our mailroom is behind that also means that uh, customer service is behind and by behind I don't mean oh we've been slacking there's a bunch of stuff around I mean we've gotten so, so many orders that there's not enough hours in the day um, despite hiring more people yeah so, so we're slamming away as much as we can. But uh, other than like, other than what you're working on specifically today, like, what's a project that you're working on? I'm working on a new product type that we haven't really gotten into before, but I'm pretty excited about. I can't talk about the uh, client or the license, but it's a all over uh, button-up shirt, so like a Hawaiian mm. style shirt. Uh, I, I had a 
very I, in fact I still I still have a collection of Hawaiian shirts you you, you know this because uh, I'm married and, to you yes yes you're, you're my wife and so you've seen my closet I actually pushed for that kind of thing years ago uh, but like it always seemed too expensive the minimums were out of our reach and we weren't really sure of the process to to do it mm-hmm. but now I guess things have kind of uh, well hey the project that you're working on we can hit the minimums yes and we've we've gotten a lot more experience at working on more completely custom like garments of mm-hmm. one sort or another oh yeah another thing i worked on was the sand city so that kind of uh wet our feet with custom garments mm-hmm. and the uh the metaton pants as well yeah the metaton pajama pants are the one i thought of um, um but like with the pants one thing that i really like working on is uh repeating patterns uh tiling patterns things like that so the hawaiian shirt is a fun project so are there any particular challenges involved in that new product type that you're concerned about going in? Uh, I can't really speak to any particular challenges with production yet because... Uh, we haven't quite gotten to that we point We have yet. barely started that. Like, we're waiting on a sample for um, from a factory just to see their quality. But uh, with the design process for a complex repeating pattern, you really just want to look out for making sure the design is balanced once it repeats and making sure the colors play off each other really nicely and there isn't like one element that's really big and stands out or uh, there's a, a good mix of sort of detail and more uh, empty space. So Jenna, do you have a favorite? That's rough. <laughs> <laughs> Plush, obviously, for in case that wasn't obvious for uh. <laughs> Um. Well, don't tell them, but uh, I think the grub. Yeah? Yeah. I'm uh, very, very proud of the little grub. So what part of it? I mean, I know it's... I, I, one part that I particularly love about the grub is just the fact that uh, it spooks mailmen. But uh, <laughs> because it's got the little voice box in there, and, uh, and as it gets shoved around, they'll hear the... What the heck is in my truck? We, uh, we actually had our usual mailman come in and ask us what was in the bags. <laughs> he, uh, he was very concerned, very confused, and we had to assure him that it was a plush toy. And okay. we, we started sampling it in front of him, and he was like, oh, okay. He's like, we had a whole tiger cage out there full of them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, apparently as he was driving the semi and they were trying to unload it, like it was, was kind of like that gif where like someone presses down on all the ducks and they all inhale and exhale at the same time. It was like that with the grubs. Okay. <laughs> so it was just a cacophony of grubs. So uh, what do you like about Despite the fact that it has a voice box in it, it's still rather huggable. So it's just a really good size for just getting in there and, and hugging it. It's got enough heft to it where it also probably makes a pretty good, uh, pretty good little pillow. Yeah. yeah. I like the fact that it's large enough to fit several Hollow Knights and Hornets inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, because I'm not actually uh, super familiar with with Hollow Knight. Like, how big are grubs supposed to be, like, relative to them in-game? Uh, I mean, the grubs are... The plushies of the grubs are kind of on the large side. Mm. But uh, we wanted it that way. Originally, we proposed them as just, like, little miniatures that were going to come in, like, a backpack cling. And that just never panned out. We all decided we wanted these things to be huge. Okay. <laughs> so. so so they're supposed to be smaller than the, the, the Wanderer and the, the Hornet. Roughly. Yeah, okay. Not uh, too much smaller. Yeah, not too much smaller, but they, they are a little big. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So what's your dream project? What would you love to work on? Um, 
Well, I'm kind of in the process of doing that, actually. It's just under NDA. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, uh, if, we, if we avoid uh, an NDA thing, something that we have no connection to right now, what would you love to work on? Something that seems currently out of reach for us. Even larger plushies. Yeah? Yeah. So like, like, I'm talking, like, Mr. Saturn size. Mm, mm. Like, just really big deluxe the, plush. Yeah, the big... Or, like, a like I've, I've seen these really big, uh, really big Snorlaxes are also pretty good. Yeah. I just... I, I think Lindsay and the rest of the mailroom might kill me if uh, sure. I start... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how we would big. ship them. I think <laughs> that's yeah. something we would probably have to drop ship. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, who knows? We do have this this new place, although I'm, I'm already getting concerned that the new place is going to be uh, almost immediately full. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Do very big plushes perhaps, like, have a smaller minimum? I'm not actually sure. We haven't really explored doing very big plushies. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, most of the folks that we work with like plushies that are about in the medium range sure, for yeah. size. Anything too small and you can't do incredibly complex things or at least if you do you're you're gonna want your minimums to make it worth the effort to make those things mm-hmm. and uh depending on the detail of the plush actually going bigger is worse because the less detailed something is if it's not properly proportioned the lack of detail stands out more on a larger plush yeah like uh there was a pretty large plush we were working on that i pared down in size because the details just it didn't pair well with its size Mm. Whereas now that it's smaller, it's a bit more impressive what it has going on with it. So, gotcha, gotcha. So, so that's a that's another concern you have while you're actually making them is like scaling the detail to the uh, to the actual size of the plush. Oh yeah. Because I mean, otherwise, in the end, like a plush has to be cute. It pretty should much. be like yeah. some kind of cute. Like there's a lot of definitions of cute. Let's be fair. Something that Steve and I were recently talking about at the mailroom table was just uh, achieving goals, like life goals. And uh, Steve was talking about how he wanted to be an actor and he uh, really wanted to do film production stuff and how he's really happy that he's found a way to do that in Fangamer through like commercials and stuff. And uh, he asked me what mine was and it was just make toys. So I've I kind of I've done that. So <laughs> I, I'm happy just staying here and, and bringing little critters to life. So literally living the dream. Uh, of course, like any dream, uh, once you've achieved it, you there's all these other things around it that you have to ju- just deal with because there is no such thing as uh, as as a worthwhile dream that doesn't involve a lot of other work. Yep. But that's that's really cool. So like, do you have any new dreams, or you're just gonna like just leave? I I achieved the oh, one. Dang. Um. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty content with uh, just making plushies, but... Yeah, I guess it's like a thing. Like, it's a gift that's going to keep on giving. Like, it's not over. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? I like writing. Maybe I'll do that on the side someday. Mm. But, uh, yeah, bringing plushies into the world sounds pretty good. What about you, Laura? What is your dream project? Something that would be really fun is like a like a comic adaptation of things. So to work on... Like the story and the artwork uh, with one of our partners and adapt something into like a comic would be really fun. I have so many other things going on and I'm not the fastest artist, so uh, I don't really see that happening. Well, I mean, you have a, to be fast for comics. Sure, uh, but let's see. The thing is, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, with a with a comic, I mean, the more you do it, the faster you get. Well, at of it. course. Uh, and unless until you start like doing it, you're not going to start getting faster at it. But uh, I think there, there's um, 
I think it would be very fun, but uh, again, the time it would take, the work it would take, and the possible returns uh, for that investment are probably going to put it out of our reach for now. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the point of a dream project, though. Yeah. It's, just, it's a, something something out in the future that you can start working towards and might seem unfeasible. You start looking at ways to make it feasible, mm-hmm. uh, even if it takes a long time, or even if it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to like take some time off and start working on this independently you know Mm -hmm. because it's not going to be feasible to make it otherwise yeah like even if it's not something that's done at fangamer uh, i can say that a lot of people here at fangamer have managed to figure out ways to make the uh the things that they want to do feasible like like jenna was saying like she wants to make toys and they happen and steve wants to make videos and act in in those videos and it's happened things that don't seem like natural that that don't, don't always seem like natural fits for this company sometimes end up working out somehow you just got to figure out how to make it fit into that hole which Mm -hmm. is easier for some projects than others but like a comic like there is there is an inherent marketability to it and it's already attached to video games Mm -hmm. i mean books do very well for us in general but it would something like that uh requires a lot more um it's a lot of work yeah, a lot more work than some other books. And and our books, all of them have more work than I think people would, would believe. Even even the ones that are just text-based still uh, are very, yeah, very designed. there's a lot of writing involved. Well, a lot of writing, <laughs> but, yeah. but, but uh, they're also very designed. Like, Tony works very hard um, making the Legends of Localization books look really, uh, really slick. And, uh, like, the speedrunning book, which is, you know, it's a text-based book. But, you know, I think Carrie worked on illustrations for that with Tony, and they designed it together. Uh, Obviously, Carrie's books are very illustration-based, um, but her and Ryan uh, Novak work together on those to make sure the art and writing pair really well. Even books that aren't purely illustration-based still have a lot of work uh, behind them. But one that was totally illustration-based would take a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For me, anyway. There's uh, certainly artists who are much faster. Uh, but you actually did used to make comics, didn't you? I did. And you would also like to make that comic again at some point, as far as I know? I would. Um, one thing that stops me uh, is that I'm not much of a writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh I would love to have the story totally set out in front of me so I could just focus on uh, adapting it. Uh, Turns out I can't just wave a magic wand and have the story written, so that's going to take a while. (laughs) Um, But even then, like, there's a lot of things that call for my attention, especially now because we have a six-month-old baby. It's true. So. Um, But it would be nice. Hopefully, as, uh, as little man... As we like to call him, uh, gets. Have older. you mentioned him on this podcast? I, I yes, I did because I talked about the uh, the gas station hot dog. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> so if I say yeah, yeah, we've mentioned him. At some point, he's going to get older enough to where he isn't going to require as constant attention, and it's something that we'll be able to trade off even easier than we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you'll be able to get. And eventually, time. we can just send him to boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> In theory, but I'm anyway. a great mom. <laughs> I think it's worth remembering, like, how you ended up getting involved in Fangamer in the first place. Oh, packing slips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, why don't we do packing slips anymore? Uh, by that, I mean hand-drawn um, packing slips. Uh, there's a lot of good reasons. Um, <laughs> and I I was... Uh, 
I mean, I handled the program for a couple years and I was definitely, I kept it going for maybe a little bit longer than it should have just because I liked it so much. But really our order volume was just much too heavy to keep up with hand-drawn packing slips. And let me clarify for anybody who might not have been a customer of Fangamer at the time, because mm-hmm. uh, it's been years. It used to be that every time you ordered a package from Fangamer, there was a little packing slip, which in the original, original version actually had little spaces so that you would also, it would also note what products you were getting because we only had four or five products. So it was easy to just circle the ones you needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, each of those uh, had uh, a hand-drawn drawing just to make it a little special. It became too much for Reed to be doing all of them. I'm not exactly sure how or when this, it happened, but at some point we started farming them out to people. Uh, it's, uh, usually, like artists who are much better than Reed, which isn't a high bar. He will, he will readily admit to that. That's unfair. Yeah. <laughs> I I think if you asked him, he'd be like, nope, these are bad. Um, I have a Reed card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're charming in their way, for sure. Uh, and it's also just nice to know that you know, somebody, uh, a person, has touched this package and cared about it. That's still the case, but we just don't have the time to draw on every single one of them. And for, for a while, um, you know, artists would contact us, we'd send them a bunch of pre-printed things they'd draw on the slips and uh, send it back to us. And we would get a pretty good number of people asking to do this, which um, didn't really correspond Jenna to the... Jenna did as well, for, for what's <laughs> worth, I feel like I uh, have to mention the other person in the room who's also <laughs> contributed in this way. That's about how I met everyone, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the number of people who contacted us to do the slips did not correspond to the number of people who ever returned them to us. Mm-hmm. So I sent out quite a bit that, you know, I would and I would see people posting like, oh, you know, I'm working on the and they would just never send them back to us. And they'd have like maybe half the packet filled out. Beautiful. Never sent them back. And they were like, oh, I'm too embarrassed to send it back because I didn't finish it. Just give us what you did. <laughs> we we haven't done that for quite a few years. Um, so now we find artwork that we like and ask the artist to use it. Uh, just as a little side note, I still slip some of them in every now and again. I also didn't finish my last batch, but I was also working here full time at that point. Same. So I just cut up the ones that I did do. And I keep them at my desk, and I give them out every once in a while. Oh, I still have backing slips. <laughs> it's not that difficult for us to make more. And to be clear, like, we also do still still draw on packages quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And on little packing slips, and every people send us, like, nice little notes. Uh, we actually got one that I'll be reading later. I um, drew a Suns Out Guns Out Solaire the other day. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> what, what, is, what is a Suns Out Guns Out Solaire? I have no idea what that Solaire is. Solaire with his, with bare arms making some some muscle arms. Mm, okay, I gotcha. Because gotcha. when the sun's out, the guns come out. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So, Laura, what have you been, what, what are you playing right now? This is a video game-related podcast, in a sense, so it's it's important to connect everybody to uh, to actual video games. I finally started playing Hollow Knight. Uh, I got stuck at Hornet, so Janet, Janet beat her for me. <laughs> I think it took you, what, one try? <laughs> <laughs> it was the first Hornet fight. It wasn't hard. I'm just bad at games. It's okay. <laughs> it's absolutely okay. She's rough. I don't 
don't know if the first fight was rough. It's a learning curve at that point. Yeah. I I think when I got stuck on her, it was also pretty late at night. And I was like, oh, I'll do this some other time. And then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, man, I got stuck on that. And then I just didn't go back to it until uh, Jenna was at our house on Friday. And I was like, here you go. Do this for me. (laughs) In addition to Hollow Knight, you've also been playing uh, a game on air. I have. I probably won't be playing tonight again because we're so busy. But I have been playing my probably my favorite video game ever just for nostalgia and uh, childhood reasons. Uh, Quest for Glory. Mm. Quest for Glory 1. So you want to be a hero. So I'm, I'm questing for some glory. Every time Heaven walks in while we're playing, we're doing the exact same thing in the game. So it's really funny. <laughs> um, so he's just like, I think as far as Heaven is concerned, it is a game about raking stables. <laughs> because that is what we've been doing every time they walk into the room. Why, why, why are you raking so many stables? I don't remember there being like... <laughs> no, there's one stable and you can go there once a day to rake it for cash. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I was imagining like the game had like a section in it like in Shinmu, where you just get a part-time job for a while. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like that, but... Like, there's a there's a, a day-night cycle in Quest for Glory, and sometimes you just have to wait for something to happen, mm-hmm. and you don't really have anything else you can do. So you can go to the stable, and once you start working there, you work there until the day is over. Mm. So it's a good way to, like, finish the day out and get some cash. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think it builds up your strength score, too, because mm. you're working hard. Yeah, that's like the, mm-hmm. the old school, like, you get better at the things that you do, or, or I suppose, like, your your stats in, in, uh, improve based on what you're Oh, doing that is definitely true yeah. in Quest for Glory. Yeah. yeah, you can just climb the same tree over and over again to uh, grind your, like, climbing skill. Uh, Jenna, what have you been playing? We just had Jack on last week, and he, he went through, like, a couple things that he said he was playing and then clarified, actually, Jenna was playing these, and I've just watched. <laughs> Uh, but uh, let's hear it straight from you. Um, well, I've been playing through Bloodstained. Uh, I'm farming items like it's no one's business because mm. I insist on maxing everything out. Sure, sure. So I'm doing that instead of beating the game. <laughs> that's yeah, that's that's often my tactic in any sort of game like that, where it's like, well, I know where I know how to end the game. Yeah. But there's all these things I don't have. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> I just want this one thing, and now I need this other thing, <laughs> and it just doesn't stop. And of course, by the time you get all the things, you go back and you can beat the game, and you're just gonna just steamroll them. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is I want to get all the things. Yeah. It was the journey to get the things that you wanted. Yeah, and not long ago you were playing um, playing Chrono Cross. Yeah. Where I think there as well you were optimizing uh, some equipment. Yep. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been playing through Chrono Cross a lot over the last few months, just beating it over and over again, just to, like accumulate stuff so I can just unlock pretty much all of the endings rather quickly. Hmm. I'm preparing to turn Chrono Cross into a D&D module. Ah. So I'm just doing an awful lot of homework and research first. Sure. And I guess that's technically a thing that I can also say that we're all playing yeah. is D&D. Actively, like yeah. all the time. Exactly. It's a, it's a popular pastime for many of us here in the Fangamer office. I, I DM a campaign, and Jenna, you DM a campaign. Jack DMs a campaign. Yeah, just one. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it is just the one now. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm actually DMing two different ones, but uh, uh, one seven-year-long campaign will hopefully come to an end this year. I say hopefully because it's been a while, not because uh, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could go off the rails. We could. We could have stayed in that mini game for a long time, Charlie. <laughs> yes, it's true. Uh, there are so many opportunities. Really, like a friend of mine uh, actually recently told me about his own party, who uh, finished a, an arc in the in, in, in his campaign where there was a vampire infestation in the city. They, they tracked the vampires to the, to a hideout, which was in a uh, in a bar. Long story short, the bar ended up burned down, and the vampires were defeated, and then the party was like, you know, it would be a good idea is if we built a new bar on top of the old one and just started running it. And so... <laughs> Uh, and so that was their plan for the for the next while, is we're going to start a bar, and that's going to be what we're going to do. Well, it's one way to establish your downtime in between uh, adventures. It's true. Uh, I think their next... Their, uh, he came to me about it, because their next part... The next thing they wanted to do is they wanted to do a pub crawl through the city mm. uh, and visit, like, you know, a bunch of the other bars in order to get inspiration for their own. And so he's like, I, don't, I didn't have that many bars planned for this city. Now I need a bunch of names of bars. Can you help me and so we, we, we brainstormed a few uh, a few pub names my favorite one was he wanted to have a bar next to a uh, next to a wizard school I proposed a, a bar called No Wands Allowed, <laughs> which is not the actual name of the bar. The actual name of the bar is lost to history because um, uh, I, I, I think a good name, a good old name for the bar uh, was uh, the Straight and Narrow. And mm. the, the sign is of a, a thin, straight wand, like a hand holding a thin, straight wand, and then there's like swooshes and stars around it. But then something happened <laughs> in this bar at some point, and so now there's a bunch of signs all over the bar, and there's like a big like no sign over the original sign uh and it's like you know no wands no staffs no exceptions because they can't let that happen again or my idea which was to have the wizard uh place called no wands allowed and it's a lesbian bar also a possibility which would i think also add some pretty good depth to this whole situation Mm -hmm. that's enough talking about (laughs) dnd because we could we could keep going forever yeah (laughs) now that we've gotten to know our guests let's talk about fangamer and what's happening here at the office so my first quick announcement is that we are now up to 14 sea freight containers in our parking lot. That's 14 big metal containers eating away at all of our parking spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have actually discussed earlier today the, uh, the fact that it's like, yeah, well, you know, if the parking lot's full, it'll, you know, go to the bar nearby. Yeah, just park the bars. And just walk, <laughs> just walk on over, which is, you know. I don't think that's a great suggestion at this particular time of the year. Yeah. Because it is summer here in Tucson, which is rough. Yep. It's like being a slug going across the sun with some salt on you. <laughs> that's a death sentence to walk from there to here. It's too it's too hot. I mean, I'm, it doesn't bother me personally because I'm one, usually one of the first people here, so I have a parking space. Yeah. Uh, but for everybody else who, has to, who comes in later... Uh, that, that's that's rough. Mm-hmm. Early bird gets the spot now. <laughs> and especially now that we have the uh, we have a bunch of uh, temporary workers here helping us to handle our, our, our stack of orders and stuff. Like that means even more par- uh, parking spaces are being taken up by those folks. So it's uh, yeah, uh, it's a battle. 
Weren't we just informed today we're getting two more sea fruits? Uh, yeah, well, we can, yeah, that's the maximum that we can go. Uh, so we'll see when those end up happening. I was serious about putting a ramp and just starting the park on top of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually also had a big old list of products that... Well, I, I still have a big old list of products that are scheduled to come out later this week, but I'm not going to announce any of them by name since, uh, A, that has gotten me in the trouble before, uh, <laughs> particularly when the stuff didn't end up launching just yet. And uh, B, I also don't want to get anybody too excited uh, about these things, and then they end up having to wait longer than expected for those things to come out. Mm. So, that said, generally speaking, I'm seeing several cool shirts from Capcom games coming up, uh, which is pretty awesome. One involves a game that I'm particularly excited that we're working with without getting into any details um also there's a bunch of music related stuff like some things that i thought were going to launch a couple of weeks ago but haven't yet uh, is there anything uh else anything good any good fan gamer news that maybe i'm missing or should be mentioning that you guys are aware of have you talked about the quote wall yet in the, the mail quote room? wall what is the quote wall i actually oh, don't know what dear. that is um so while we're back there in the mail room mm -hmm. and we're just you know talking, getting in the very strange, weird conversations, usually. Um, when we've said something so strange and absurd that it's worth remembering, it goes on the quote wall. Okay. And, uh, yeah, we have we have some pretty good ones up there right now. Um, most of them are usually from Michael. Okay. Uh, some of them are actually used against Michael so that he remembers that he has committed crimes, and when he says he hasn't done them, we remind him that it's on the wall. There's a record here. Yes. <laughs> and we have a rule that you can't just throw something up there. You have to sign it. So you can't just say that someone has said something. You need to consent and sign it first, mm. which is usually what gets Michael into trouble in the first place because he has already prior agreed that he has said this mm -hmm. and will later deny it has happened. <laughs> Eventually, he's, he is going to demand um, the notary for all future signings. <laughs> he cannot be held accountable for the things he has done previously. The, are there any good like highlights of the, uh, any, any good quote highlights from the wall? Um, oh goodness. Off the top of my head, it's hard to remember what's back there. I imagine like 90% of them are things that seemed really funny at the time, uh, but without context that doesn't actually, it's not actually all that funny to somebody who's never been here. Yeah, like there's one for uh, touch butt to steal wallet. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty strange one. Mm. I, I, I can get, I have a pretty clear idea of, because I mean, yeah, a lot of people st store their wallets in the back pocket. Mm -hmm. And if you want to steal that wallet, you're going to touch a butt. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Well, we decided during this discussion that you could touch any butt to steal any wallet. Mm. It was infinite power. So someone drew a butt on the wall by the quote, and if someone wanted to steal a wallet, they just touched it real quick, and they were like, all right, give me your wallet. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that put a little bit more context. <laughs> uh, so next, I want to turn my attention to our beautiful, magical, um, hot very hot city. This is the part where I talk about Tucson news. Uh, so today I actually have something that I think is really cool. Uh, so Tucson exists in part due to two rivers that sort of frame the city, the Relito and the Santa Cruz rivers. Both of these rivers, for as long as I've been living here, have been depressing. Rather than flowing rivers giving life to an oasis in the desert, they're more like dry, dusty suggestions of where a river could be. Like a house that's been quote-unquote move-in ready for a few decades. 
Uh, water does flow in these dry riverbeds every now and then, uh, after the monsoons usually, or uh, winter rains. Uh, snow melt. Snow melt, yeah. But those flows usually last for, like, uh, you can usually measure how long they've been in there for, uh, in hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that said, Tucson has recognized its overuse of water uh, in the past, more or less. And while farms, mines, and golf courses still drain our life-giving liquid, everyone else has made great strides towards water conservation. In fact, Laura, you actually volunteer sometimes with a local uh, with a local group that focuses on this issue. Can you talk about that briefly? Yeah, I uh, I do co-op workshops with the Water Management Group. Uh, they're a nonprofit with the uh, sort of long-term goal of increasing Tucson's uh, watershed, um, sort of the the underground aquifers underneath the city. Uh, and if the aquifer rises, then actually water can flow in the rivers again. And that that's sort of the end goal. Is to have um, free-flowing rivers uh, someday in the future. And uh, we do this mostly by maintenance and installing sort of water harvesting uh, features, both passive and active in homeowners' yards and uh, even commercial, commercial places. So it involves a lot of digging and installing pipes yeah. and stuff. Earthworks, like that. rain barrels, uh, um, putting in gray, some gray water reusage. Um, yeah, planting only native things that don't require a lot of water. In the case of like citrus trees and fruit trees, using harvested water from mostly from rain that comes off the roof and things like that their headquarters all the water there is actually harvested water they use it for everything like the all the water they drink they have like filters and all kinds of really cool stuff so the tucson news i want to talk about involves the city's efforts at water conservation they've been using reclaimed water uh to maintain the city parks for a while now uh which is pretty cool but just recently they've actually started just pumping a bunch of reclaimed water into the santa cruz river which has created an actual like river flow for only a few blocks but the, the, the flow is actually still pretty sad looking like it's just like kind of moving mud around a little bit mm-hmm. but it is constant water in the santa cruz and that water is seeping down into the aquifer and to be clear like reclaimed water that's that's as i understand it is uh water that goes down into the sewers and then goes through uh, a treatment and then is technically usable again not potable usually like at the very least they don't really recommend drinking it but it's still useful for uh, watering plants and refilling the aquifer especially like because whenever it goes into the riverbed it's gonna seep down into the ground where it's gonna get even more filtered as it goes mm-hmm. uh, into the aquifer so that's uh yeah uh, in time hopefully the water table will begin to rise again and perhaps Someday, the rivers will actually flow again for real. And um, even even if it's not flowing, that water there will um, kind of support the presence of uh, different trees that you don't see as much, uh, the riparian trees like cottonwoods and willows. Just having them there can really transform um, that landscape, and it'll bring a lot more like uh, plant and animal diversity there. Mm-hmm. So. so yeah, that's uh, unlike my previous uh, Tucson news, uh, this one's actually just uh, really positive and hopefully warm. So, finally, we are your friends at Fangamer, and as friends, we want to let you speak and participate in the conversations now and then. So given that, we have a dedicated audience participation segment. And for the first time ever, we actually got a bunch of questions, which is great, but also kind of a shame, as I kind of thought it was funny to have this segment where I just beg for questions that just never come. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but really, I do prefer to actually interact with our audience and uh, our friends in the audience. So, 
Uh, I'm gonna start with a kind comment from someone who calls themselves Milo, the house goblin. They said, uh, I know you guys work so hard, and I know I'm a total heckin' stranger in the water slash uh, dirt rock that is our planet, but I seriously appreciate all of you. I love you all. Please remember to hydrate, friends. Uh, that was a comment that they included with their order, which, if you're not aware, when you order something from us, uh, there is a text field during the checkout process where you can send us a comment or haiku or whatever. Uh, we read all of those comments, and I just gotta say, it's uh, always super nice when we receive these friendly little notes. It really brightens our day sometimes, so... Thanks a bunch, Milo. Uh, anyway, actual questions. Kirkland, a.k.a. SuperGamerK on Twitter, asks, Are there any particular products at Fangamer that have a funny-slash-interesting story about its first creation process or reason for its existence? If so, what are they? Also, since you were so insistent on it, what are everybody's Smash mains? So for the second part of that question, we can answer ourselves for now, but I think I'm going to just keep on asking that question of all new guests from now on and attribute the question to Kirkland in the future. My Smash mains, personally, are Daisy and Jigglypuff, what about you guys? Ike and Corrin. The only character I ever play in Smash is, like, because he's really simple and I'm bad at video games. Who? <laughs> Link. Link, okay. I mean... Link's not too simple. Yeah, he's actually kind of a complex character. Yeah, well, guess what? I'm not good at that game. <laughs> I mean, I guess, in a sense, like, all Smash ca- uh, Smash characters are simple in, uh, in the sense that if you've ever played old arcade fighting games, that's complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, doing performing combos and all that stuff, that's, that's tough. I, I can never really get into it, but Smash Brothers, it simplified how to pull off moves, even if the moves themselves can be very uh, complicated to, to make work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenna, I can say that you are one of the folks who, uh, whenever we have a big Smash group play, you're you're almost always one of the finalists, if not the winner. <laughs> yeah, I should... I don't actually think Link is my main, because whenever I play Smash, I usually play one round... Just set it to random, and just whoever I get, I get. Because, like, it doesn't make much of a difference. I, I I will say that I feel as though I am probably best with Jigglypuff, and used to be Peach. Now I'm going to stick to Daisy, because even whenever it was Peach, uh, I would always just go with the Daisy coloring. Heck yeah. Yeah, after I'd play with some of my mains for a while, then I would just go to random, because I just like the variety. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to the uh, to Kirkland's original question, are there any particular products at Fangamer that have a funny slash interesting story about its first creation process or reason for its existence? Uh, I can start by saying uh, this isn't quite a- about like its its creation or anything, but like I, I personally can't get over uh, like specifically about funny stories. I can't get over the e-mug. Like, specifically his durability. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't... No. If you haven't seen the old E-Mug commercial, I'm going to spoil it a bit. Uh, but when we first made those things, we actually decided to make a commercial to promote it. For part of that commercial, we had Jazzy and Steve climb up on top of our old box truck and throw the mug to the ground. The joke was supposed to be that their confidence in its durability uh, was unrealistic and that the mug would shatter on the concrete. However, the shot ended up taking multiple takes because the first time they threw it down, the mug just kind of bounced away pretty much intact. <laughs> anyway, uh, what about you guys? Do you have any any thoughts about funny creations? I don't know so much about 
funny, it's just cute or strange, but when we were working on Ralse, we were having a hard time figuring out how to make perfect fluffy boy ears mm. and uh, just getting that little tuft of hair down just right. And uh, what wound up resulting was that we took a Hollow Knight plush that was unfortunately a glitch for one reason or another. And um, I cut off its horns and just kind of pinned them to the side of Hollow Knight's head and, and, and dressed up the Hollow Knight as Ralse. And we just kind of drew the little, like, mouth on it and everything. It was, suddenly that little thing was Ralse for a little bit. Do you still have that version? Yeah. If it is on your, on your plush pile? Yep, the uh, giant mountain that's on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Threatens to, to fall over and crush me someday. It will, someday. Someday. Laura, back whenever you were working on the, um, uh, I believe it was the, the Blackjack deck, mm. as I understand it, you did start going crazy. I did, because uh, uh, I knew that if I was in the office, I would not finish it very quickly. So what I did was I took my work computer home and just worked on it from home for a month. And it took me a month of working straight through on it. And um, yeah, I I was starting to lose my mind because I'm someone who needs to be around people every day. And uh, that wasn't happening. And uh, yeah, I could I could definitely feel myself cracking. Like I was watching My Little Pony at three in the morning. It was uh, <laughs> it was weird. Are, are you saying that people who watch My Little Pony are weird, Laura? No, I'm saying <laughs> that maybe I was watching My Little Pony at three in the morning to search for some stability and comfort mm. in my trying time. It, it was it was a necessary uh, point. You you needed to be reminded of what friendship. Really yeah, was. I needed Aww. to be reminded of the magic of friendship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Our next question comes from Danny McGee, aka uh, aka Danny McGee on Twitter. They ask. Are there any obscure games that you guys always wanted to make products for, but you feel wouldn't sell well enough? Also, when can I expect to be able to buy regulation fan gamer branded mayonnaise packets for mayonnaise hole? <laughs> um, so, I, as far as the mayonnaise hole thing, I cannot uh, I cannot comment on on products that may or may not uh, be in production at the moment. However. I can personally think of a bunch of obscure games I would like to make merch for. It, you know, if I thought for a moment they would sell anyway. Like, I'm just imagining, like, a series of shirts for, like, Theater Van Core and the Void community and other fa the other factions from Radiata Stories. Mm. That would be awesome to me. Uh, but sadly, most people haven't heard of, much less played, that game. Uh, definitely the Lunar series. Mm. I would love to see us carry merch for the Lunar series. Can you think of anything, uh, what would be really cool, like, actual product? Um, plushies, you know, like shirts. a little plush. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, especially the little the little dragon cats. Yeah. Oh yeah, gotta gotta get them in there. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that if that series had kept going, like would you just would you get like one of each color at some point? Hmm, perhaps. I mean, they were representative of a uh, element, so. Mm hmm. And, like I'm trying to imagine like the little a little blue cat and a little black cat. <laughs> and then, what kind of personalities would they have? Mm. What would they do in battle? Like, I remember, like, Ruby, like, actively participated in the battle by, like, blowing fire on enemies. Mm-hmm. Run over and, like, scratch stuff. Yeah, I I've had her defeat major bosses before. <laughs> um, and, uh, and of course, Nal uh, would actually revive you, which was absolutely necessary on several battles I can think of. Yeah. I'm wondering how the other ones would, uh, would interact. Hmm. Interesting. 
Anyway, uh, Laura, what about you? I mean, my choice is obviously my favorite game, Quest for Glory. Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I figured that would be the first thing out your mouth. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know what kind of merchandise would uh, would be suggested or or for a game like that. Yeah, I've all, I've often found like I love fantasy games uh, a lot, but it can be a little tricky to not just be like generic fantasy stuff. Exactly uh, like, how, from how, the outside. What, what, mm-hmm. what makes it specifically Quest for Glory? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what makes it specifically Dragon Age other than like the the you know that one symbol that ends up having to be plastered and everything because it's the only distinct symbol. Mm-hmm. We actually got a bunch more questions, but we're starting to run out of time. So I'll go ahead and bank the rest for now. If you sent in a question and we didn't answer it, don't worry. I'll try to answer the rest in future episodes, so just keep on listening. Uh, if you have any other questions that you'd like to ask us, please send them to us. You can email your questions to us at yourfriends@fangamer.com, or you can just send us uh, at on Twitter, or just mention us on Twitter and we'll check it out. You can ask us pretty much anything and we'll answer it on this segment. Most questions so far have been about Fangamer, which is cool, but I'd also love to someday bring my deep, borderline obsessive knowledge of things like the American Revolution and the grappling rules from Dungeons and Dragons version 3.5 to bear on this podcast. Uh, I'm also happy to help with your math homework. Anyway, that pretty much does it for this week. Any final thoughts, Laura and Jenna? We're playing D&D this weekend, right? Probably should be, yes. I think we will be clear for takeoff. Great. Laura? I have 4,000 emails to answer. Okay. (laughs) Thank you very much, Laura and Jenna, for joining me this week. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider buying something from the Fangamer store. Alternately, just share us with your friends, tweet about us, or even tweet at us. Thank you, Super Soul Brothers, for the music on this episode, and thank you, listener, for listening. We're your friends at Fangamer, and let's plan on hanging out again next week.